saying how much they want a strong woman. What they really want is a cheerleader. I'd like someone who's physically very frail and won't stop talking. I just want what everybody wants. I seem to have a harder time getting it. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Maximum Film. It's episode 314, and we're fighting for the right team. It's your host, if you wide waiting in the booth with me on my friends. So let me introduce you to them. First up, we have my favorite critic, a uh, top critic. Uh, if you don't believe me, fight me. Uh, Christmas Zaddy himself, Alonzo Duralde. What's good? Uh, Ify, I'm going to get a little flossy this week. And and I Ooh. think you, usually my what's good are about like Pop-Tart flavors and stuff. I, I keep it real, <laughs> real reasonable. But, you know, I, I just came back, as we'll be discussing later, from the Venice Film Festival. So just wanted to say, if you're ever traveling to Europe and you find yourself uh, with a layover at Charles de Gaulle Airport in Paris, they have these really great Spanish tapas bars called Bayota Bayota, where you can get like a sandwich, you can have a nice plate of like hamoni and some uh, some manchego cheese uh they'll do you right and uh you know i know you're thinking spanish food in france yeah what well, fuck it why not who cares it's good i am psyched because i didn't know what flossy was gonna mean and i thought you were gonna get so bitchy about something and then <laughs> and then instead i heard you say manchego cheese yes what a thrill I- when will I ever be in the Paris airport again? Yeah. I don't know. But I just, I was there and I enjoyed myself. I celebrate your usage of that word. <laughs> yes, I'll yes. endeavor to use it myself. Uh, well, you know, speaking of cheese or 264 <laughs> miles from it, we have the queen of the Midwest herself, Drea Clark, Super Festival programmer, producer. What is good? Yes. Have not lived in the Midwest for 20 years. Love it. <laughs> You love it. Yeah. Um, still in exile. Still, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah I'll, I'll still happy to. I mean, roll. Harry's still my prince, and he over here with Megan. <laughs> yeah, Harry's still yeah. my prince. Yeah, uh, love a spare. Um, what is good with me is I just read another book by Curtis Sittenfeld, and I think that Curtis Sittenfeld is such a fabulous writer. She, I, um, early on wrote a book called Prep. And it was when I was young enough to also daydream about like, ooh, what if I went to boarding school um, instead of living in the Midwest? Uh, And then she had a book that came out during the pandy called Rodham, which was kind of a fictionalized reimagining of Hillary Rodham Clinton's life had she not married Bill. And then this most current book, she wrote a book called Romantic Comedy. That's a delightful, I'd say summer read. I realize it's September now. Read it any time of year. It's set at a, a thinly veiled Saturday Night Live type place. It's a one of the staff writers falls in love with uh, maybe a guest, a famous guest. Um, anyway, it was a delight. I highly recommend it. You just can't wear white shoes while reading it now. No, no, no. That's really the that would be flossy. <laughs> <laughs> Let's keep flossing. Uh, we have amazing guests and let me introduce you to thems it is the comedy writing partners and the co-hosts of the dumb gay podcast julie goldman and brandy howard what's good what's good (laughs) to the both of you not not one combined what's good but you know everyone we each have individual voices yeah yeah Yeah. you gotta talk like those seventh heaven twins and speak at the same time Mm. you want me to go first or you gonna go first I'll go first because mine is annoying. Um, So we were recently fired, which was not good. Um, Exactly. But um, 
we we have a Patreon podcast. This is why this is douchebaggery. We have a Patreon podcast. We've had it for six years. And because we got fired, we started a video, doing video on our Patreon. And honestly, in our lives, that's what, for me, it's been um, stressful, but I'm deciding to embrace change and be like, I can be seen without getting lots of filler and plastic <laughs> surgery. But I was, after getting fired, doing a lot of drugs and alcohol. And now I'm doing video Patreon. So I'm getting my life back on track. While doing drugs and alcohol. <laughs> Still doing those. <laughs> yeah. Um, Good for and, you and fuck them. Fuck them. Fuck, yes. them. fuck them. We can all just. Sirius XM, let's support small, like, you know, Podcasters, independent podcasts. Independent, yeah. Yes, indeed. I'm obviously right there with Brandy since we're doing that together. However, I do want to say what's good personally for me is I did get a kitten. Um, <gasps> the kitten um, has been suckling my neck <laughs> and face every night. Uh, it has been painful because the kitten has very sharp talons. And today the kitten is getting its nails cut. So I'm really, that is what's good. Is that motherfucker <laughs> going to come back to suckle his mommy daddy's neck and the shit is not going to hurt. Okay. Wait, what's his name? Maverick. Because I have a, Ooh, a puppy oh. named Goose. Name. Yeah. Danger Ma- zone. No, you do not That's have right. a puppy named Goose. Yeah. yeah. You got Maverick and Goose. Ooh. Welcome to the film podcast. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. 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 And, and Maverick's going to find a nipple one of these days, and it's going to be very um, exciting. We're oh, not yeah. going to say he hasn't found it. We're, we're not, not going to say he hasn't found we're it. We're not going to say Julie hasn't offered. <laughs> like, I'm like, get a room, you two. And I'm like, am I turning into a wet nurse from Game of Thrones? I am horrified by myself. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we've all been there. Yeah, speaking of wet nurses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm always ready to latch onto a nipple. You are correct. Uh, (laughs) What's good with me is this past weekend I went up uh, to the mountains to visit a friend of the pod, Mallory O'Meara and Jeremy. And, you know, me and Jeremy, you know, we're just uh, locked in. Two two fellas who like writing and painting tiny boys. Um, Tiny boys as in the Warhammer. That's the nickname for them. I realize that if you're not in on the, like, the wording uh the tiny boys the tiny men are the warhammer uh figurines uh but you know i call them my tiny boys and that's what you'll see if you look at the screenshot the black templars um because uh, i love playing crazy racist zealots in the fantasy world since i have to deal with them in real life uh so (laughs) it's it's a good time um but yeah it's it's been real good for my adhd to just sit and stare Mm. and paint tiny little man like you know little bob ross you know (laughs) well when you and Stuart wellington finally start your warhammer podcast i think tiny boys is the perfect yeah yeah tiny boys uh you know look it's it's coming uh we both are just gonna collide uh somewhere in the midwest maybe in minnesota we'll get a hotel in midwest get in there get a get a get a microphone and just uh, get sweaty you know we're gonna go sweat it and crush it in the room with the tiny boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Room. Go. Yeah, yeah. I'm really just trying to get the Stuart slash fiction going. You know, wherever the maximum film fanfics are, make sure you make one of me and Stuart. Save it for fun drive. <laughs> Today, we're talking about Bottoms, the movie. The movie. Then we'll weigh in on the topic of the R-rated comedies. But first, it's time for Edidic, our movie news segment where we read the week's headlines and ask, is this important? Do I care? Andrea, 
is going to kick things off. I sure am. Taylor Swift's Eras Tour has been credited with everything from causing minor earthquakes to inspiring antitrust investigations. Last week, Eras made headlines yet again. News broke that a concert film of the tour will be screening in all AMC locations, with AMC acting as a distributor and offering rival theaters the opportunity to screen the film. It's an opportunity that theaters across the country have rightfully jumped at, especially as summer ends and studios have been bumping release dates. Some theater owners are predicting a $100 million opening for the film based on advanced ticket sales. Is this important? Do you care? This to me is like the opposite of when Disney Plus took Hamilton. You know, <laughs> right when the pandemic was starting and yeah. that was going to be a theatrical release. And they're like, eh, fuck it. We're just going to put it on the service. Everybody's at home and we're going to make it a thing. Uh, I think like Taylor Swift releasing a concert film would have been huge at any time. But with the strikes happening and the AMPTP being such assholes about uh, ending those strikes and instead opting to like punt as many movies as they can into 2024, uh, I think she's you know, brilliantly kind of capitalizing on this so somewhat relatively parched theatrical landscape uh, to get this concert out there. I got my tickets. I wasn't really planning to go, but uh, Christy really wanted to do it on breakfast all day. So I'm like, okay, fine, I'll go. Yeah, um, I think, you know, it's, it's I'm on the other side of the battlefield, which is with the Beehive. But uh, I will say that um, it seemed like they tried to lowball her and she was like, fuck you. And that is like, I'm like, all right, all right, you get this one, Tay. Uh, that was, I like that you did a big fuck you to these studios. And and, and f now they're just scrambling because this podcast is going to turn into a book podcast in about six months. <laughs> right? I'm glad I led with the book. No, I think... Yeah, that's exactly the point of it. The idea of also trying to lowball Taylor Swift in particular is hilarious because the woman has been like re-releasing all of her earliest albums because Taylor's she doesn't version. own the yeah, she doesn't own the rights. And she's like, "Oh no, yeah, I don't mess with corporations that do not value and recognize the weight of what I'm bringing to something. This would be huge business regardless." Um, and, and, and as Alonzo said, you know, it's definitely going to be now that things are drying up in terms of the releases coming out. Um, I also just want to give a shout out to every, uh, movie that's actually playing next to her. Cause years ago I programmed at LA film fest, um, a screening of, uh, Beyonce's lemonade album. And we showed all of the music videos from it. And I brought the music video directors and did a Q and a with them. And then, the crowd singing along to every single mm, 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 forget mm. it like, multiplex bleed like in your face Oppenheimer booms like that's <laughs> that just like the the like earnest hollering along that's going to disrupt theaters everywhere is delightful to me. I live for the fact that Taylor Swift took her music back and has made the most money any living person has ever made on tour. She's the only woman who's ever done it. She's the only person who's ever done it. Unless Beyonce, which I'm surprised hasn't beaten her yet because I think she's just as big and her her movie's going to come next. So for sure, I want to see these women kill it, crush it, nail it, fuck it, do it. I'm all for it. Get into the movie theater. I hope they all sing. I hope they disrupt the whole, all of it. I'm down. I'm for it. I don't care what woman it is. I'm thrilled. Yeah. I'd say Hell we're yeah. in the beehive, uh, but we are Swift. We're Swifties <laughs> in the beehive. But I do want to point out, in addition to all of Taylor That's Swift's um, 
um, corporation um, fucking. She also did that with Spotify. She was like the last person to allow her Ooh, music. right. Um, because she was always constantly lowballed. And that's definitely um, been pretty inspiring. Also being... Um, 110 years old myself i'm enjoying that she's you know doing this at in she's you know she had that other movie that came out right in the pandemic that the documentary uh, the netflix one yeah yeah where she was Ms. you could tell very stressed out about being um sort of at the tail end of her age for her career she was right. feeling like she was turning into Cher. i was like okay you're 28 but whatever right. and and now here she is and so it's like yeah i want to see not only women, but like women who are just normalized women staying and people staying successful older and older. I think it also speaks to, you know, I, I, one of the things that that I think is the through line of this year with all the labor disputes that I like to think has been a positive effect of the pandemic is people understanding their worth mm-hmm. and understanding mm-hmm. the worth of their labor, whether it's, you know, UPS drivers or, or screenwriters or whoever. And yeah, I think Taylor Swift definitely has been carrying the banner of like, I know my worth, bitches. <laughs> which is good. And which is a good message for anyone, really. I mean, anyone, yeah. particularly right now, like stay in the strike, yeah. get what you're worth. You, you can get it. You just have to have mm-hmm. the... And it's hard because people are, are suffering. Yeah. Let's keep this ball rolling. I was going to say, you know who wasn't suffering? Alonzo is freshly <laughs> back from the Venice Film Festival. The world's favorite critic got oh. a chance to visit his fans abroad over the past week at the Venice Film Festival. The fest featured a lot of notable premieres as well as many notable absences from striking actors. Those Hollywood actors who were there to promote their SAG okayed films took the opportunity to bring up the strike. Here's Ferrari star and my boy Adam Driver talking to the press. I'm manifesting that. Adam Driver's going to text back any day now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Why is it that a distribution company, a smaller distribution company, like Neon and STX International, can meet the dream demands of what SAG is asking for? And this is pre-negotiation, the the dream version of of SAG's wish list, but a big company like Netflix and, and Amazon can't. And every time people from SAG go and support a movie that is... Has agreed to these terms, the interim agreement. It just makes it more obvious that these people are willing to support the people that they collaborate with, and the others are not. So when this opportunity came up, it seemed like understanding the interim agreement. It's a no-brainer for all of these reasons why you want to support your union, and 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 I'm here because of that to support the stand in solidarity with them by showing up and just further proving the point that it really is about the people that you make it with. I haven't seen this many actors thirsty for Adam Driver on my timeline since Girls was on the air. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is, we look, not, we say hot labor summer, but labor, <laughs> labor was never hotter. <laughs> <laughs> Alonzo, how was it? What were some of the highlights and what seemed different this year? Uh well I, you know it's, I, it's funny the the I got asked by people oh were the were the standing ovations shorter because of the thing I'm like <laughs> y'all I go to the eight thirty a.m. press screening like ain't no, I, baby. ain't no red carpet there like there, there's no no stars are showing up so I am never I don't think I've in in the like six or seven times I've been to this festival, I have never gone to like the gala screening where, you know, the, 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 the stars are there and it's a whole big shebang. Um, but no, I saw some, I saw some great films, which is always, you know, the, the ideal, the point of this thing, uh, including Ferrari. I thought it was really terrific. I'm not the world's biggest Michael Mann fan, but, um, 
I worried that it might be one of those great man biographies, but actually, uh, he's a interestingly flawed character. And and the Mrs. Ferrari, played by Penelope Cruz, like has his number and then some. So she, she's a real uh, uh, treat in this. But 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 Driver's really good. I, I really after. House of Gucci was not dying to watch him play another actual Italian person, but he's much better in this one. Um, and it, you know, it, it gets into some some dark shit. It like it 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 it's all 1957, which was this very big year in his life, and um, covers some cool stuff. Uh, going down the list here, wonderful story of Henry Sugar. It's a new Wes Anderson a short film. It's only like 35 minutes long. Based on a Roald Dahl story, which, you know, it's his second after uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox. Really charming, really funny. Um, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Ray Fiennes and uh, Ben Kingsley and Dev Patel and Richard Ayoade. And uh, just, you know, if you like Wes Anderson, you'll love it. And if you hate Wes Anderson, you'll be reminded why. Uh, <laughs> highlight of the festival, no question, is Yorgos Lantimos's Poor Things. Everybody's losing their minds over this movie, and rightly so. It's so fucking good. We're totally going to review it on this show. But Emma Stone has never been better, and the movie is just, like, so... Uh, bold in its choices and it's written by the guy who wrote the favorite but also created mm. the hulu show uh the great so it's another sort of complex portrait of a powerful woman discovering her sexuality uh so yeah liked it a whole lot really did not care for harmony kareen's agro drift which is this sort of video game inspired thing so it's real repetitious and the whole thing is shot in what I call Lisa Frank night vision like it's all <laughs> orange and purple um, didn't didn't love it uh, Maestro the Leonard Bernstein biopic uh, starring co-written and produced by and directed by uh, Bradley Cooper pretty good um, but the nose the nose the nose, <laughs> the nose. is a, not an issue for me but my big worry going in was is this going to be like a straight washing movie he's like oh Leonard Bernstein and his wife like Okay, but no, he's immediately in bed with Matt Bomer. I'm like, okay, good movie. We're, we're, we got this covered. Um, I, I, I didn't love his and Carrie Mulligan's performances as the young versions of the character, but as they got older and their voices deepened and they were more full of rage and regret, I was totally in. And um, I think Cooper's That's how confidence... I feel about people in general. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yes, for yeah. sure. Don't even talk to me until you're 35. Um, I think broken. that... <laughs> Cooper's uh, confidence as a director really comes through. There's some really great sequences in this. So, yeah, I, 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 I thought it was uh, terrific. A um, little disappointed in William Friedkin's last film, The Kane Mutiny Court Martial, which is a courtroom drama based on the Herman Wouk play. Um, you know, I, the thing about Friedkin is a lot of his theatrical adaptations are really great, like Boys in the Band and Bug and Killer Joe. And this one just kind of felt flat. And also they update it from World War II to now in a way that I don't think entirely works. Um the uh, new David Fincher, The Killer, uh, really cool as far as the minutia of the just day-to-day -day existence of this hired killer played by Michael Fassbender and the fact that he, like, uses Google and orders shit off Amazon. And, like, it's very kind of, you know, step-by-step -step and it's not some super spy thing. Uh, Pet Shop Days, which is a, a film from uh, Olmo Schnabel, the son of uh, Julian Schnabel, has really great kind of um, indie 80s vibe, but about characters who are utterly irritating. Uh, and I never cared 
cared about. Um, Priscilla, the new film from Sofia Coppola is about Priscilla Presley and part of her series of movies about ensconced women that I liked very much. Um, Hitman is the new Richard Linklater uh, starring and co-written by Glenn Powell about a guy who's kind of personality free but uses that to sort of become a chameleon to do these undercover stings to catch people who are trying to hire Hitman. And... Um, I think it would have been better if they had avoided the whole based on a true story thing for reasons that I can't get into without spoilers. But nonetheless, Glenn Powell and Adria Arjona are really charming as a couple. And it's very funny. It's almost like Linklater's Fletch in a lot of ways. So, yeah, that's what I saw there. Wow. That's some good lineup. It was like I was there. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted, did you hear anything about the Ryosuke Hamaguchi who did... Uh, um, the, yes, the drive my car. About drive my car. Yeah, evil yeah. does not exist. I heard very good things, and I actually had a ticket to see that, but it was like at like ten thirty at night, and I was so fried by that day, I was like, I can't. But it's it's like under two hours long, which is shocking because usually his movies are like three, four, five. So you know that I think will maybe get a little more of a U.S. audience. And uh, I didn't get to see the Ava DuVernay because that screened after I left, but I've been seeing raves about that, so I look forward to seeing Origin. Um, and weirdly enough, the Woody Allen movie played really well because it's in French, but everybody fucking hated the Roman Polanski. So what are you going to do? Well, you can only like one pedophile rapist. You can only like one. Okay. Ben has a very, said that. they yeah. have a very open door sex pest policy. Last time yeah. I was there, I had to review a Nate Parker movie. So, you know, that's where mm -hmm. we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Look, it's, it, you know, if you, as long as you, only allow one, you're still an owl. Yeah. You know, that's, that's right. Don't worry. Don't worry. You I'm, get a I'm, gimme. I went to woke.com. <laughs> well, on that note, we're just going to go straight to break. But when we come back, we're talking about bottoms. On that note. I feel like your delivery of that line just got us put on a list. Somewhere in an alternate universe where Hollywood is smarter. And the Emmy nominees for Outstanding Comedy Series are Jet Pacula, Airport Marriott, Thruple, Dear America, We've Seen You Naked, and Allah in the Family. In our stupid universe, you can't see any of these shows, but you can listen to them on Dead Pilot Society. The podcast that brings you hilarious comedy pilots that the networks and streamers bought but never made. Journey to the alternate television universe of Dead Pilot Society on MaximumFun.org. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ivywadiwe, and this year with me are... Drea Clark. Julie Goldman. Brandy Howard. Alonzo Duralde. Today's movie is the sophomore feature film from director Emma Seligman, who directed 2020's Shiva Baby. The star of that film, Rachel Sennett, co-wrote the film and stars in it alongside Ayo Adebri and a sizable ensemble. Drea, would you mind giving us a brief synopsis of Bottoms? Yes. So Ayo and Rachel play two best friends, PJ and Josie, who um, are not only gay, but untalented. <laughs> and it has put them on the bottom rung of popularity at their high school. And uh, in their desires to make out with two ridiculously attractive girls they go to school with, somehow, these are all high schoolers, I remind you, uh, <laughs> they start a fight club. Because naturally, how else are you going to 
meet girls. Um, and so that kind of grows into its own thing. Uh, so there's fighting, there's nonsense, and it's all wrapped in an absurdist world where the football team is uh, absolutely adored and I guarantee does not know how to play a single beat of football. Bottoms. Yeah. <laughs> Bottoms. Yeah. I mean, look, I'm I'm gonna start the gush fest, but I'm gonna start off with two things that, as a comedian, as a comedy writer, and as someone who had a fight club in his own high school <laughs> that had to be shut down, <laughs> lo- was loving this movie. Uh, but I will kick off. <laughs> Uh, kick off with Marissa's prompt who says on the surface this movie is an extremely silly comedy but beneath the surface were there any themes that spoke to you? Uh, Obviously fighting I mean we've all met me so the thing that it led most no I do think there's some there's some like very righteous um, representation of what friendship looks like at that age there's something in high school and again these are all actors that they're like late 20s which I double enjoyed because there's just an absurdism wash over the whole movie but it yeah. really lands it's very tonally specific but consistent and I think what centers that kind of thing are the very believable connections. There's an element of that to Booksmart, which we had spoken about when that came out. But, like, I believe these two girls are friends. I believe the love that exists between them. And all of the weird complications that come of that, because they're all playing people who are, like, figuring out who they are, figuring out what their lives are about and what the kind of people they want to be are. And part of what the kind of people they want to be are are people who have sex with hot girls. So, like, lots there. Lots to dig into. But I did really like the the ultimate, like, connection to genuine friendships that came through. I bought it. Hook, line, and sinker. Mm-hmm. You guys yeah. are nodding. Julie, you, you're like, <laughs> yeah. yes. I also know what it's like to have friends. <laughs> It's so true. It's so weird how we're all bonded by something called friends. I, okay, it's, we absolutely loved this movie, okay? It was, I was so surprised. I was so taken aback. I thought it was so, just in the general terms, I thought it was so funny. It was so, um, took nothing seriously, but understood everything seriously that it was making fun of. I thought that like the gender comedy was perfection. I absolutely loved the fact that they flipped the script. They took what boys get to make fun of all the time in every movie ever made from the beginning of time. And they flipped it into a girl's sort of perspective and then even went further and made them lesbos. So, which we don't get to see all the time. Don't, ever Instead, get guys see. getting to want to fuck girls right. girls wanted to fuck girls. especially not in the lead characters yeah. not in the like lead even characters. book smart there was like sure there's that sort of thing but it's not going to come out till midway through or whatever and this yeah. is like this was giving you force. almost like yeah. 80s mainstream revenge of the nerds but yeah martyr without rape yeah. like all the like <laughs> funny tropes and cliches and getting laid yeah just yeah. making yeah. it <laughs> yeah I, I, that's kind of what i was saying this is almost feels like a throwback movie and yep. i think that's what saves it from feeling like another rehash uh you know co- you know high school comedy is it just really goes balls to the wall and it's always it is you know 
we're all used to like great comedies having like jokes per like jokes per line, but I'm talking about jokes in the backgrounds That's, of scenes yeah. and something yeah. going on. Yeah. Just like this, just high rewatchability. Yep. It, it's like built to be a cult classic. Like That's, this is yeah, yeah. I I feel like this is on. It could be on its way to be like this. The the new generations. Uh, but I'm a cheerleader. Like this, like great gay comedy that isn't like isn't trying. Like it's like it is. It just is. There is no like big. Yeah. Like this is what it's like to be a lesbian in high school. It's just like no. This it is in the moment. Sorry. Am I, no, I, I completely just we said the same things to each other. We completely agree. Yeah. Well, that was the mo- thing that was so great about it wasn't about being gay. Yeah, it's more like yeah. it was, yeah. it's more like a teen classic, yeah. teen comedy, yes. like instance, like you know, Fast Times or anything yes. where it's like yes. the sex comedy. It was, I mean, from the first line, I felt like it oh was God. even their outfits were built to be Halloween costumes. Yeah. They were ready to make this like <laughs> the the comedy of a generation, and they yep. nailed it so hard. Yeah. I was like, we watched it twice in a row. You said high watchability. We watched it twice in a row, um, back to back. I was, I thought like what you said, Dre, about like tonally the absurdity across the board. Like we're horny for the football. Like get horny and like all this stuff. It like, it was definitely very consistent. I was not sure. The only thing that I was, I wasn't sure. And I had to, that's the reason we watched it again was like, I wasn't sure what time period it was. And then I wasn't sure. <laughs> why I wasn't sure. And then I'm trying to figure out like, did they want to make us think it was before (laughs) iPhones or did they purposely leave that out? But then they're saying it's a 20 year. That was kind of like, but I thought then of course, by the end of watching it the second time, I was like, I appreciated that it was, it could have been the eighties, the nineties, the early aughts or now it was like, that's why they did it that way. I'm assuming, I don't know. I'm, I don't want to talk about this in front of a film. Well, I mean, that's, that's like, you know, uh, (laughs) I I remember when Heather's came out, you know, which I, I really compare this movie to because it takes this, very skewed worldview and successfully carries it across the finish line. Whereas I think a lot of movies will start with something kind of weird and challenging and then drop it along the way to get like sentimental or, you know, cute or whatever. But no, this, this commits to the bit. And, and when Dan Waters was writing Heather's, he talked about how he didn't want to use actual teen slang because nothing dates a movie faster. So mm-hmm. he just made it up. And he didn't Watch want to... dogs and Diet Coke heads. I just want you to know, I've been thinking about Heather's all day. All day since I watched it. We watched it this morning. I think about Heather's not? all day, every day. Yeah. Hey, this is I'm like upset. Like I've been, it's brought Heather's back to my heart. Like yes, right this, away. This is Heather's for new generation, no question. And, and then also like with the outfits, he didn't want to like dress them in the hot teen fashion of the moment and have that be dated. So they created this sort of exaggerated style, which although, which he later described as baby anchor woman. But, um, you know, so I, I like this movie doesn't like tie itself to specifically to, to any specific time uh, and just the general absurdism that runs through the whole thing like uh. that the principal could announce could the ugly untalented gays come to the office uh. the fact that the football players like always have their pads and cleats on like they were the ones from Daria um, you know just all this stuff. And, and I'll tell you as somebody who has spent the last you know better part of last year immersed into LGBTQ cinema history for a book I've got coming out. Like the idea that this movie is so funny and so horny and so bizarre um, <laughs> is such a standout because I think you either, you have to pick, okay, you either get this, it's it's very queer, but it's really earnest or it's funny, but it's only a little gay. Like this movie is just like pushing all the buttons and mashing them as hard as it can. 
Oh, and I it, wanted to just smash. I wanted to just keep smashing me <laughs> and smashing me because it was nothing short of, of of a delight every single second. And like you said, the background there was a there wasn't one not minute second of a joke. Yeah. It was it no. was I constant. Just the what was uh, like Marshawn Lynch, who this movie introduced me to, and I'm now like. Does he have a fan club I can sign up for? (laughs) (laughs) But the idea, again, the juxtaposition of having, like, just watch the football players practicing football at any point. They know about as much about football as, like, my, as Julie's new cat. Like, it is (laughs) amazing. And that Marshawn Lynch is in it is a double. But, like, at one point, just the chalkboard that he steps away from says, (laughs) when he's angry at the girls, is like, why every American president was a man and why that was right. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like, there's oh, just yeah. no throwaways. But I, I'd yeah. also say that I even think that it's hard. It really is difficult to nail a tone like this that is its own thing and that works the whole time and that's playful and whatever, but is still moving things along and has like fighting and all whatever. But oh. also, I think how it addresses sexuality is really interesting because they make we have our two lead girls who we are just introduced to us as gay, like got it. There's no coming out. There's no whatever. And and as is their best friend. And side note, the idea that Ruby Cruz isn't the most stunning person in this movie, full of <laughs> stunning people. I was like. I'm sorry, the forgotten best friend looks like Ruby Crew, whatever. That's what I don't think. <laughs> but that these two, our two protagonists are, you know, lusting after these beautiful cheerleaders or whatever. And that one of them is successful and makes a great connection with one and has sex with her. And then the other one has this exchange and she's like, oh, I'm not actually integral. Like that there was even an element of believability. The idea of like, oh, this isn't just a world where everyone is, but it's also not a world where we need to like just pack all those moments with shame or embarrassment either. Like that is a hard line. And I did love the fact that they made them also both assholes. That yeah. like when when it Our doesn't leads, matter yeah. what it like it doesn't matter because a sex comedy is going to be filled with assholes yeah. because when you're a bunch of people trolling for sex you're an asshole <laughs> and you're a predator and you're gross so now we have that which just has to be said we can accept it this is part of all of us it's funny it, we're high school we're this we're that but that they were also and that's why flipping the script of what the boys do was so good because yeah. that's generally appointed to boys. Yeah. To be predatory and gross. So the fact that they got to do it and that they were called on doing it and that the the script was then flipped again, <laughs> which was also great. And that it got it got it poked at and it made fun of and celebrated everyone. Yeah. And that I also think is very, very, very hard to do in a movie like really hard and they nailed it and i will say on top of that it's also hard especially the genre you said or the tone or whatever it's it's hard to say what it is and they might classify it as like a an r-rated or a sex comedy or something but it wasn't because with a lot of those movies there was never a commentary and there was like a strong Mm. commentary even if it's on the board like you said and it's like who invented feminism or who was the, you know, and that's crossed out. Yeah, it was like Gloria Steinem, a man or a different woman. It was like, ABC. it was like just shit like that the whole time, just constantly so hitting you over the head with like this commentary on, yeah. uh, on, on women. And yeah. even the fight club, Gender even roles. just yeah. having a fight club to be de- to defending yourself and that it was all girls and that I've been sexually assaulted a million times <laughs> and it goes around and around just that, 
not having to make it so earnest and and we're victims, but mm-hmm. making fun of it while also saying we're victims. Yeah. <laughs> like it's it's so brilliant. Like I I just love it. I love it. Yeah, and, and, and I think I really want to like circle back to that point that it had something to say. You know, it's very it's very like easy to have like a balls to the wall comedy that is just comedy for comedy's sake. But there are just no, like, it's some, not actually. Yeah, it's, but it's, I, I know yeah, what you mean. Fair. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. It's not easier. easy, but I feel like it's I. When you're in a room pitching a shit ton of jokes, it's a lot easier to just make a bunch of sh- jokes. And when you have to connect those jokes to like heartfelt moments, like no. how do you get out? There's definitely yeah. a degree of difficulty here. And so, yeah, all of, like, all of that comedy plus like actually being about something and saying something, that is... <laughs> That's a triple sal cow or whatever, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. I, and I feel like, I guess, it's basically to transition from a moment where you just had a whole bunch of women raise their hand to say they've been raped before and into a joke, into a scene where someone is continuing the plot of the movie by continuing this lie that they didn't want to be a part of. So, you, you, you know, it is a heartfelt scene, but you are also like kind of like disgusted because you're like, oh, this is made up for this person after you've seen this person kind of like bear their soul. And now you're exploiting you're this their person. vulnerability. Yeah. yeah. It, it is. It was very like playing at the top and you know, uh, there has been a box where it's like either your movie is going to be saying something or it's going to be, f- be funny. And like, right. yeah, that's not hard. <laughs> you know, it's in a room and I make these things, but I do, do think that combining the two is like a math that even though that is hard, I think that is so much harder because it's so, there's so much room for failure. It's mm-hmm. so easy to seem like you're not taking it serious. It's so easy to seem like you're trying to like take the piss out of something as, as, as like harrowing as rape, you know, and, and the, you know, in the in the yesteryears of stand-up comedy you know we've had the big you know all these white men who were like i can make rape jokes i can make i can make and it's like well this this is like this is what people mean is when they say your rape joke isn't funny because who is being made fun of in your rape joke versus empowering the women within it and then seeing in a complex plot device someone fall victim to the same systems to use it to fuck the super hot cheerleader like it is which is why it's so genius yeah that's why it's so fucking genius yeah because we're all victims we're all gross we're all disgusting so it's just like but but understanding the nuance of that and honoring it which was is so i it's it's and there's jokes within jokes like one of my favorite characters they also do the really smart thing that any kind of piece that has an ensemble feel is is that they give each of the people that we meet has their own thing going on they have their own flavor their own weirdness i was obsessed with one of the girls that joins their fight club who has like stringy hair and like these cut off jean shorts and she keeps talking about her stepdad being a problem and you're like oh i'm uncomfortable and she has like just a few moments where she just screams the words yes slay queen but like she's at a slayer concert like it's this (laughs) like super intense Heavy metal queen slay. It is the funniest thing. I couldn't breathe. And then the reveal her, her character's mm. name is Sylvie. In the reveal, that she keeps talking about the stepdad. So every time you're cringing, you're cringing. And then she's like, he just wants to play board games every weekend or something completely. Like, well, 
that they yes. they continually twist expectations. Oh no, no I, I I want to Maybe. highlight that because the the time in which he brings up her stepdad is right after they mention that they've all been gray area had some type of rape That's in right. the gray area, and then she's like my stepdad, and you're like. He wants Whoa. to have movie nights on Fridays, yeah. and it's like, why does he? You're just like, read the they room. really did do a great job of of the hip, showing the hypocrisy, not just of everyone, but of girls, and how girls can. It, it's just it doesn't even need to be said. It's like everything yeah. about it was that, and it, which is why it was so. All of that was just. I just want to. Do, so I do want to agree. Just we've written a ton of bad, probably scripts, and <laughs> wildly unsuccessful. Don't worry, welcome to the club. But we, yeah. And we, um, but we did write um, like a, you know, what we thought was like a social commentary comedy called Gay Baby Army. And I know that it is a million times harder and in things like election and the ones, even the ones that have been done that are good and smart and so funny. This one is just, it's so like, it's just, it's just more aggressive and while being a commentary, I'm just, I, I, I'm was so had so much fun it was so funny it's 2023 like i honestly probably have to like fuck a drifter to even get a laugh like Like, i nothing makes me laugh i'm sick of it all and for it to make me laugh and make me think and be like i'm so smart like i like when something makes me want to quit this business i'm i know like i'm in the right place like i'm like get out of the business yeah just so jealous you're a husband so yeah you're not smart enough it's time for you to move to your drifter fucking days yeah Yeah. but just all of it it was so good i say we vote yeah let's vote. vote the way we vote for films on this podcast is screen it being the highest stream it being the next level and skip it being self explanatory Slay! Screen it! <laughs> yeah, I loved this movie so much. I'm absolutely going to watch it. Many, I'm going to buy it on physical media as soon as I'm able to. Um, I hope that it's quoted forever, mm-hmm. and I can't imagine it won't be. And I really, I also shout out Ella Seligman, like such a talent. Shiva Baby is also unrelenting and unique and hilarious and thoughtful and an entirely different beast. So I'm really excited to see where she goes next and I will continue watching her work. But um, yeah, loved every bit of it. Uh, Totally a screen it. Yeah. This is one of my favorite movies of this year. Uh, I, I, I'm endlessly just delighted with the chutzpah of it all and the balance of tones that is so tricky and so crazy that it, that it just fearlessly runs away with. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm so thrilled that people are watching it now uh, and that, that, that it is doing really well. But because my thought was like, this is too weird for the marketplace. But in 10 years, everyone's going to be quoting this movie and everyone will have seen it on, you know, DVD or, or streaming or whatever but no it's it's actually an out-of-the-box hit which i'm thrilled about and in 10 years people are going to be quoting it like crazy i'm gonna say screen it and that's a compliment it's actually a compliment to you guys i've been listening to this podcast and enjoying it it's been i don't like going to the movies i'm a double screener (laughs) i'm an actor and a writer and i don't uh like watching stuff in the movies it gets me stressed (laughs) out and i get triggered and i also feel trapped and I know this movie was not, um, we know a couple teenagers that um, couldn't rip it and it's not streamable and they had to go to the movies to see it. And we were really excited. This is before we'd even seen it. But of course, we were enamored with the, the trailer. But you, listening to, to this podcast has made me, um, in general, like, you know, 
I'm into people pay, paying for cable and a lot of actors don't don't even want to pay for cable. And so and I'm into that. But I, I want to like the movie business to come back in terms of going to the movies. And I really would um, highly recommend seeing this in the in the movie theater. So I say screen it. Screen it. Ooh. I would 100 percent say screen it. Spend your money. Go to the movie theater and watch it when it comes out on physical media. <laughs> get it on that as well. I will also be doing that. Um, it's really the one of the funniest movies I've yeah. seen and I don't even know how long. I honestly don't know how long. I'm happy for it to dethrone Mean Girls. I also yeah, want to I, say. I maybe, <laughs> maybe the funniest com- high school comedy since Mean Girls and even went even further and farther and you know, a fearless is like what, what you said, Alonzo, it's fearless. Yeah. And we haven't seen a fearless movie, in my opinion, in quite a long time. And to yeah. piggyback real quick on what you were saying about the theatrical experience, this is an audience movie. Like, yes. I watched it at home with my husband and friend and neighbor Gary Cotty, but like, I totally want to see it again with a crowd because I can just imagine people losing their fucking minds at this thing. It's like, <laughs> they did. Not, since, not since Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, probably, has there been a movie that you really want to see with a, with a packed house like this. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, this one, um, screen it for me as well. You know, I kind of went through to a um, empty, pretty, like, it wasn't like, super empty but it was like a it was like tuesday midday and the power of the laughs was like it was still full like that's how funny it is that it got this like and like it was like a smattering of ages so it was like me it was some old like it's it's just funny and just not you know and just had just the uh, the best time watching it just it's it i left like inspired and i think that is like the next level like you know there are good there are great movies there are good movies and then there's movies that's like i need to go sit down and write because this is yeah you're right. right we need to be you know writing better we need to be writing to the top of our intelligence and that's what this film did and truly uh, as far as costumes goes mra said she wants to be wearing the ski mask with the juicy uh shirt and <laughs> um and and yeah about the anachronist stuff yeah it, it was a razor phone with a phone book so i think it is supposed to be out of time yeah. Just amazing. Truly all about, you know, IO amazing, you know, was took over New York, came here. I saw her for a brief moment while she was taking over LA and then she was, you know, on the screen, just disappearing. So really excited to see what they do next and really excited for the, the vibrations. I, I'm glad I do this podcast because this is a place where I can shout at the top of my lungs about this, because if, if the AMPTP got their shit together, this is all I'd be talking about on Twitter and everything nonstop for the whole month. This is probably going to be one of my favorite movies of the years, yeah. strong contender for favorite period. So, mm-hmm. uh, I guess on that note, well, I, you know, it's always one when I'm like gushing about something because I'm the guy who like has to throw it to break. So I'm like, uh, calm down. All right. We'll be right back after we <laughs> we'll be right back after we hear from another show for Maximum Fun. I'm Jesse Thorne. Bullseye is celebrating 50 years of hip hop by bringing you an entire month Brand new interviews with rappers. That means Jeezy. I put my pain in the music. Angie Stone. You know, hip hops. We called them hops back then. Master P. 
music is what's gonna open the doors for us, but whatever we come up with after this, it's gonna be bigger. Plus, Chica, Saba, even the greatest of them all, Rakim. That's this September. Open up that podcast app, type in Bullseye, and hit subscribe. You're not gonna wanna miss any of this. Welcome back to Maximum Film. I'm your host, Ivy Wadiway. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duraldi, Brandy Howard, Julie Goldman, Drea Clark, and Marissa Flaxbart. Here, real quick. So, remember last week, uh, we were going to have our winner for the Hall of Excellence in the category of a mm. movie that takes place over the course of a day, at least 18 hours. Um, and it was just so close. It was so neck and neck. Um, so today mm-hmm. I remembered that we needed to have an update because we, we kept it open for an extra week. And I uh, laughed out loud when I looked at the results. Um, Girl. With 30% now in third place, Dazed and Confused. Uh, with 31% in second place, Escape from New York. But the winner... Wow. Uh, advancing wow. to the Hall of Excellence with thirty-nine percent of the vote. Groundhog Day. I love you, people. I call shenanigans. I love you, yeah. Facebook voters. Pure, pure oh. shenaniganery. But uh, uh, that's I politics, think, baby. Yeah, did, did yeah. Did do like was, sad puppy eyes? She yeah, kind of I, I did. Know, yeah, she must have podcast. There. They can't see these called her, lies. her subjects in the Midwest. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. rang the bell and got people there. It's gonna cause the a January sixth, you guys. It's gonna cause an insurrection. <laughs> Don't rig the votes. So <laughs> this whole two week thing was a fun experiment. <laughs> it worked out in Drea's favor. Congratulations. I am down yeah, for yeah, always so, voting for two weeks. Leave the uh, yeah. standing in line. Boo. Don't leave till you vote. Boo. Congratulations to Groundhog Day, <laughs> latest uh, ascender to the rafters uh, of the Hall of Excellence, which just is Ooh, like yeah. in the rafters somewhere. Sure. <laughs> at uh, at Max Fun HQ. All right. And with that, I'll mm. turn it back over to you, Ify. Thanks. Congrats. All right. Well, <laughs> different oh. vibe for the rest of this pod. If you ask me. <laughs> oh, there's that anger and resentment I told you I find so attractive in people. Yeah. <laughs> just emanating off of you. Yes. Well, today's movie and Cocaine Bear were both produced by Brownstone, the production company run by Elizabeth Banks and Max Handelman. An article in Variety this week pointed to these two films as evidence that Brownstone's is reviving the R-rated comedy. So I put it to you. What makes an R comedy different from other comedies? Have we missed them? And what are some of your favorite R-rated comedies of the past? I mean, I love an R-rated comedy. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think it's a, it's a pretty wide net. I mean, you know, because you could look at something like, you know, there's something about Mary where they really kind mm. of push the envelope of sort of, you know, bodily fluids and whatnot. But then like, you know, four weddings and a funeral just means like Hugh Grant gets to say fuck as many times as he wants. So, you know, I mean, like there's... That is hilarious that that's R-rated and it absolutely would be. You can only say fuck like... Three once? times. You, no, you or get once, one. Right, you get right. one in a PG thirteen, and you can't use it as a verb meaning sexual intercourse. Yeah, you can only use it as a as a as a uh, interjection. Uh, so yeah, I I I think R-rated comedies are great. I like I like the idea of giving the option of filmmakers who have something to. That, that that they need it for, you know, whether it's visuals, whether it's language, whatever, um, you know, and I, I think you see these sort of like 
box office trends over the years where suddenly like a bunch will come out and they don't do so well and they're like oh we need to go more four quadrant blah 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 but then you get movies like cocaine bear and bottoms that can maybe you know make the pendulum go back so uh, i i just you know as many choices on the table as you can have that's what i like i think no hard feelings that jennifer lawrence is presumably an r-rated it, that just it, came out it, it it aggressively promoted itself as such but again that's a movie where what i was talking about earlier about bottoms how it like it, it commits to its tone throughout that movie gets a little you know it's, it's sweet and it's about the characters learning and growing and it's like <laughs> i wish they would have just like been raucous throughout you know Get your emotional trajectory out of here. No hard feelings. <laughs> I love an R-rated comedy because I have such associations with those. Like growing up, like those were the VHSs you would try and talk your parents <laughs> into. Like, yeah, like I loved Porky's as a kid. I should not. Wow. I have absolute yeah. disdain for myself now of my love of Porky's. Like, Jesus, have some self-respect. But like. I and we we talked about there was a recent R-rated comedy that I loved called Good Boys, which mm -hmm. I think we did on this show that oh, I yeah. loved because an R-rated comedy opens the door to my favorite thing, which is children swearing. There is <laughs> nothing funnier to me than children swearing. Um, so I'm down for that. But also children uh, swearing and rapping grannies. Those are Drea's favorite things. They truly are. <laughs> like put them both in one movie and I'll implode. But um with uh, old Gosling in Barbie, a lot of people brought up the nice guys again, which mm -hmm. I adored and is such yeah. a fantastic R-rated comedy that like <laughs> takes advantage both of the comedic elements of more adult storytelling and just also like non like it is not made for kids. They're not going yeah. to be interested in the sort of seventies noir references happening throughout. Um, those were two and and. Girls Trip. That was my other one mm, I wanted to shout yeah. out because that movie top to bottom is one of the funniest Beyond. things I've ever seen. And again, takes advantage of like adult scenarios, adult circumstances, but has that actually is an R comedy that I would argue has a strong uh, like emotional through line. True. Play, I'm not right? saying it's being either or. Oh, no, no. I, I, know, I think yeah. in, in the case of No Hard Feelings, they were pushing it so hard. It's R rated, you guys. Yeah. You know, and then it. <laughs> Don't try and tell me it's Porky's if it's not. That's what <laughs> <Yeah>. I say. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's it, it is like when you look at like the R-rated comedies and how it's launched. Like you know, Judd Apatow loved an R-rated comedy, and you get there is like a sweet spot because you get that fun, you know, freedom to just swear and cover topics that don't normally get topics. Because like you know, like in the example of Bottoms, you know, you have these high school comedies that are afraid to talk about sex when like that is when we're puberty. We just got through puberty. We're all all we're thinking about is sex, and you're kind of like. It almost loses that edge. We remember how we talked to each other in high school. So, like, when you do things like that R-rated comedy, you get to be like, "Yeah, this is this is how we 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 finally got a little bit of privacy and autonomy, and we have been dropping <laughs> f-bombs nonstop." And so, I do think you know this is exciting to see it kind of come back because it it, it adds a, another element, you know, and, and maybe it's just the stand-up in me who just likes uh, saying "fuck" uh, instead of. <laughs> on stage uh so you you could you, it, it's just great <laughs> like i i'm happy to see it come back and i and and to something we were saying today i'm happy to see it come back in a more like flipping it like y'all y'all said mm -hmm. you know um how how 
you know, bottoms kind of flip the dynamic of the like male horny teen comedy. And I was like, yeah, let's see that because that's more exciting. That's very interesting. And that's always going to come with more, more, more thought and care. And yeah, I'm what what is that version? What is the the more thoughtful version considering more audiences, more people and giving more people a chance to tell their, you know, their stories, what they horny about? <laughs> what you horny about? <laughs> Did you say I mean, your movie that you're our favorite R-rated comedy or one of them? Oh, oh yeah, sorry. I I just lumped them all into Jubb Apatow, but like, you know, I was big and also just the um, Cornetto tri- trilogy, like all mm, those, so Hot one. Fuzz, Observe mm. and Report, uh, Pineapple Express, you know, like all, like those were the ones I kind of grew up seeing. And then American Pie, which is the reason I rushed to try and lose my virginity before graduation. And <laughs> it wasn't great. I had so much better sex after, but I, I needed oh, to lose. You think my, it wasn't great? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like there's. She there's had a great some, time. There are though. some oh, guys. Revelation. <laughs> yeah. there, there are some guys. I'm sure she had an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm sure she she told me. It. She had to. She told me she you can't lie about that you can't lie about that <laughs> well i want to say um that does remind me of um a movie with aubrey plaza where she mm. like her name is brandy my name's brandy so i especially love that but she loses her virginity it's a comedy and that was a pretty like i thought funny r-rated comedy she's not with with girls but she's pretty horny and trying to figure out how to lose her virginity and i mean i recommend that i don't know the name of it but it does anyone remember this movie the to-do list the to-do list list. that one was really i like that one a lot but i would want to say um for me i think r-rated comedies are normally in general uh considered maybe like more sexual but Mm -hmm. 100 percent across the board for me it's all about cussing i saw Eddie Murphy Raw, that's my favorite stand-up to date. Way, way, way too young. I was born (laughs) R-rated. I say fuck every other sentence. And that is, to me, what makes a comedy I wanted to ask Alonzo. I guess go fuck yourself would be considered using the F word as a verb. Uh, You know, you'd have to ask the MPAA. I'm not. (laughs) You couldn't even do that once if it was PG-13. You couldn't say go fuck yourself, but you could say fuck one time in a PG-13. I mean, like uh, famously, uh, don't fuck with the babysitter. That's why Adventures of Babysitting is a PG-13. Although apparently they chopped that out in the Disney Plus version. So be mindful of which one you're getting. That's wrong. That's wrong. I was going to say I hate a four quadrant family film, but now I realize I don't because I love adventures and babysitting. So I guess I can fall victim to a four quadrant family film. But I also don't like when things get feelings. (laughs) I don't want your intimacy. I don't want your growth. I just want you to stay gross and one dimensional throughout or whatever. I like the way the movie starts is for the way the movie to end. But I mean, an R rated movie is 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 can be chef's kiss. Now I'm a complete 80s whore. Like I am li- still living in trading places and 48 hours and Beverly Hills Cop and give me any of those are legendary classic R-rated movies. I will sit and watch them over and over again. I never get enough of it. They were it was just funny. Like they were funny. The the lead actors were, were funny and they were for adults. Like when they're for adults and they're funny and the actors are funny, I'm in. And then, you know, now certainly like 21 Jump Street mm. and which I did love <laughs> and like they are they're just funny. And, and they're funny America, for kids. Yeah, we were kids well, when we watched 
Beverly Hills Cop. That's true. Children. But what now going back it. to it and watching it, yeah. it's just like, oh my god. I just, I mean, amazing. I I grew up on eighties comedies, and now I feel like revisiting them is this like minefield. Of like, oh, oh it's my red god. Central. <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. Like, I know. I, I was I know, obsessed I with Risky Business my senior year in high school, and it's celebrating its fortieth anniversary. And I was oh. like, ah, do I want to? And I've been reading several things. It was like, it's actually for an eighties movie, not nearly as problematic as trading places for instance you know so uh yeah it's i under and i know and i get the problem but it's also but i for me watching movies as a as a whatever there's problem problematic stuff everywhere i'm, and not, as a, I'm as a, not judging believe me I, we all i know i know and i look at that stuff too and i go oh god but then i go you know what it's like bottoms it's like we watch Bottoms and they were like, fuck it, man. Just fuck it. <laughs> like, you know what? Fuck the fucking like preciousness, the the earnestness, the all of it. Let's take let's be funny. Let's make jokes. Let's not be um, precious. Let's not be sensitive. Let's not worry about everybody's feelings. <laughs> let's take what we think is funny and do it and go balls to the wall or pussy to the wall and slap it and smash it and let's do it. And I think that there's a lot, there's just so much of that missing. And in the eighties, regardless of whether it's problematic or not, they weren't, they were, I do think thinking about that. So regardless of the time that you're in and it can right. be problematic, I do appreciate uh, an unfettered, whether I like it or not, I do appreciate an unfiltered and an unfettered just going for it. Because I, for me, like risky business or something that's so, so sexual, I'm like, ugh. However, like, God damn, like Beverly Hills Cop? Can't deny it. It's solid. It's solid. Because it's so funny. And um, Team America World Police, even though that's a little later, to me, yeah. Filled God with problems. David. Filled with problems. <laughs> filled Littered with problems. With problems. On, on like, day one, though. Like, that, yeah. that yeah, would yeah, yeah, the yeah. age, you know. They should have called it yeah. problematic. <laughs> it's like the play, the musical phase. All of it. Right. Yeah. But then you go, you know what, though? They, if you can decipher the intent and where that problem is coming from. I don't know. I, I just, I love it. I love mm. it. So those are solid right. choices. That made me sense. Yeah. So many choices, so many choices. Well, on the, that note, let's just move on to staff picks. It could be any movie at all. Who wants to start? I'll go because my staff pick this week is you are so not invited to my bat mitzvah. <laughs> um, there's yeah, it's on Netflix. It is a very different tone than Bottoms, but it is another uh, film. This is about girls in middle school, and it is uh, starring one of Adam Sandler's children. His his other daughter is also in it. Hilariously, um, and this one was so unexpectedly funny and realistic and like i believe i was like oh these girls are friends their nonsense argument is friend it was just a very fun watch and i'm rarely uh taken by surprise i feel like so many of these i'm like i don't even need to watch more than 10 minutes to know what's happening and uh this was a a, a fun little thing so if you are like oh i don't like r-rated comedies because i'm a sensitive then man Watch You Are So Not Invited to My Bot Mitzvah, but directed by Sammy Cohen. Shout out to Sammy Cohen. Yeah. 
Uh, this is uh, has nothing to do with today's movie, but I, 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 I was one of several things I watched on the plane on the way back. Uh, a, a Disney uh, animated film that I slept on because they barely promoted it when it opened, uh, Strange World, um, mm. is this really charming and funny movie about? Well, here's the thing: it is it is woke as fuck. Okay, the the, the central characters include an interracial couple, <laughs> yes. their gay teenage son. It's a it's a metaphor about like fossil fuel dependence, but it's also like really imaginatively designed and the character designs are great. I have a crush on uh, 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 the, the, the middle generation in this movie and the stuff that it has to say about like fathers and sons is really um, emotionally resonant. And by emotionally resonant, I mean I almost cried on the plane on multiple occasions. Uh, so yeah, this is a movie that Disney kind of just swept under the rug, but it's now on Disney+. Plus. So if you missed it, and you probably did, check out Strange World. Do you want to go? By the way, I saw Strange World and I loved it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I did see it. Well, I loved You're Not Invited to So Not Invited. Also, also that one. Love too. Also and I've been one. on a bender because we got fired and I was like, nothing's going to get me out of this. And then that movie, I was like, oh, was wow, good. this really was diverting. Oh, was yeah, I mean, and there was a minute there I was like, this just isn't going to pan out. This is going to be like that Woody Harrelson eighth grade movie or whatever that one. Remember that one with Whatever. And it did. It panned out so well. I like love that. I think that's I, I don't know why this is my I have like a million movies that I love, but I, I feel like one movie that like a lot of people it's very underrated. It's not recent. It's called Proof um, with Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, yeah. And yeah. Um, if you haven't seen it or you haven't seen it in a long time, um, it has Anthony Hopkins. It's to me, uh, just as a writer, that is one of the scripts that I'm like, you know, quit writing and get out of the business. <laughs> I think it's so good. And I really wish people would, you know, Gwyneth Paltrow's obviously insufferable. We don't need Alonzo <laughs> to give us a review to let us know that. Hey, but- she lost a half day of skiing. <laughs> hey, come on. And she sued the guy for a dollar. Um, but but the the. Um, the proof is really, 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 really good. Just in just a, an entirety of filmmaking, I think, and acting mm-hmm. and everything and, and writing. I think it's really good. There's also a really good Australian movie called Proof with very young uh, uh, Hugo Weaving in it. Hey, guys. Ooh. Hey, guys. How are you? <laughs> um, OK, I was going to say one, but now I'm going to say I'm going to have to say because I'm oh, oh, so hard. Nacho Libre. I gotta say, Nacho Ooh. Libre. I gotta. Uh, we're on a bit on a little bit of a Jack Black kick because I was gonna say um, the Tenacious D and the Pick of Destiny because I'm currently in the middle of watching it over and over again. But Nacho Libre again on it's going again and again and again. I think it's so funny. I think it's sweet. I think Jack Black is. If gives this movie me... came out now, I just want you guys. I truly, truly believe it would be nominated. I because <laughs> now we nominate would. everything because ten. You know what I mean? Like it's like it's the the and I hate the Academy Awards, but like he is so brilliant in the movie. Brilliant. He's he's he gives me the feeling that I have when I watch my favorite movie of all time, Arthur from 1981 with Dudley Moore, mm. and he gives me that level of. I'm in love with him. I love him. I want to be him. I want him to be my friend. I want him to be my everything. Like he's that movie is just so fucking hilarious and sweet and good. And I would say if you haven't seen Nacho Libre to see that. Ooh. Love all it. Right. Bold nice. throwback. <laughs> uh, if, iffy, what you got? 
Oh, what I got is uh, some someone on Twitter pointed this out, so I'm going to signal boost it because Max doesn't seem to uh, see the irony that they are um, <laughs> that they are hosting this film on their uh, the, their platform. It's Harlan County, USA, a documentary yeah, yeah. of yeah. covering the Brookside strike, uh, 1973 effort of 180 coal miners and their wives against uh, you know the powers that be not trying to pay them fairly. So. Uh, yeah, this is on Max right now, uh, which is <laughs> the irony. Yeah, so goofy of them, but yeah, definitely give that a watch. Um, directed by Barbara Koppel. Uh, yeah, and it released in October sixteenth, nineteen seventy six. I, I just yeah. want the history of the show to mark that this week during Staff Picks, Drea picked an yep. Adam Sandler-produced Netflix movie. I picked a Disney cartoon. And if he comes in hot <laughs> with an Oscar-winning Barbara Koppel documentary about striking coal miners. <laughs> you know, like look, we were talking about, you know, fl- flipping the roles and flipping yes. the script. And we did it right here sure in did. Staff Picks. Uh, but big thank you to Julie Goldman, Brandy Woo! Howard. Thank you for uh, having us. What do you us. have going on, and where can people find it? Um, they can find us at Julie and Brandy, Brandy with a Y, JulieandBrandy.com. Uh, we have a podcast. It's called Dumb Gay Podcast. We talk about um, dumb gay world events. <laughs> it does lean liberal, <laughs> but, you know, and if that's going to trigger you, fucking fuck off and go to our <laughs> Patreon. We have a Patreon <laughs> podcast. Um, which you can find on our website, julianbrandy.com, where we don't do any politics. There's no ads. We're just, and it's now video. Support them. They're wonderful. Yes, truly. Listen to everything. Also, if you listen to our show, you already love liberal shit. So it's a a match made in heaven. Uh, But uh, Dre and Alonzo, thank you for another wonderful show. And next week, we're talking about Aristotle and Dante discover the secrets of the universe. So, you know, go ahead and peep that if you want to watch along. And if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Maximum underscore film or send us an email at Maximum film at MaximumFun.org. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Maximum film. And our Instagram is Maximum film podcast. Our producer is Marissa. Of Flaxbart, our senior producer is Laura Swisher, and this is production of Maximum Fun. Bye bye. Maximum Fun, a worker owned network of artist owned shows, supported directly by you.